0: Welcome, everyone, to the Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Maybe be called Floor because me is lying on Floor. The Marvel Movie Podcast by Fantastic Geek for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is brought to you by the boss's nephew. I got one of those, too.
0: Pete, deadline Hollywood as the writer's strike takes hold of the entire town. It's starting to hit the MCU. Blade, which we had talked a week or two ago, that just got a brand new writer like three days before the writer's strike was scheduled to start. Blade is now delayed, will not start filming this fall, uh, and more recently because of a, a merry band of picketing uh wga uh folks there on strike in brooklyn the uh filming of daredevil reborn has been stopped at least for the day it is not over it is not canceled we don't need to hashtag save daredevil again even though the save daredevil campaign didn't really ever fulfill most of the promises that it made but i digress Pete. uh the strike paralyzing our marvel cinematic universe it is
1: time to pay these writers. And uh, the studios need to pony up. They need to give the rightful uh, percentage, uh, which is to say something to uh, writers from all the streaming that is happening that writers are paid once for, and that's it. The residuals are next to nil. Um, and we all know how well these studios are doing. Oh, you know, the the crying by uh, Disney and Netflix and all the other streamers here. So take care of these, uh, these hardworking, creative professionals. And uh, they will write things for you again. I'm sure a deal can be reached. Uh, but apparently they've got to feel it. Estimates, Matt, that uh, the streamers' stock took about a $10 billion nosedive last week, uh, which would have funded every Writers Guild ask for
0: 25 years, for a generation. Pete, from the problems of the present to films of the past in the near future, in this month of May, we'll be talking the third and fourth Indiana Jones films over there on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. That's coming on uh, Sunday the 14th and Sunday the 28th. Uh, Looking forward to talking about those films.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Matt knows the name of the fourth one. He may or may not uh, say it. Uh, But we will break those down ahead of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny coming in June, which, of course, we will be podcasting.
0: Uh, Looking farther down to the end of summer, what with this film that we're going to be talking about shortly being the nominal start of the summer box office, Uh, Ahsoka is coming to Disney Plus in August. That is Pete. If the Cruel studio doesn't push it back in order to punish all of us for being supportive of things like collective bargaining and fair wages and things of that sort uh but we of course have an ahsoka podcast up already and pete that's up there for free
1: it is so get yourself over to the ahsoka podcast feed by fantastic geek now gives a rating give us a review
0: uh secret invasion is coming to disney plus next month uh ditto on the three-quarter joking one-quarter serious dates could change if it is part of uh strike breaking strategy if the directors guild the actors guild jumps on board with their own strikes as well etc but Pete Curley, the plan secret invasion in about a month's time that to a newer podcast feed uh, that has some coverage on it already
1: and we will talk about a raffle in a moment to uh help us out there we'll give you a little something you help us out
0: uh and as we talk more squarely about marvel movies pete wednesday of next week that is to say uh may 17th is when uh the the embattled maligned still fun i don't know uh ant-man and the wasp quantum mania will hit disney plus after its lengthy what i would call pete was the the ringing out of every last dollar can we do rental through amazon can we buy the blu-ray etc um
1: blu-ray comes out the day before
0: <laughs> uh pete it, it's the little studio just trying to scrape together a couple they're of just, pennies
1: yeah here. right they're gonna plead poverty here to these poor writers but yeah so it's not like uh, they're gonna
0: give away the movie for free pete
1: well, I mean it is it's behind a paywall. It's a subscription. You know, these, these streamers are, are doing so poorly uh that they just gotta entice you with that. But uh yeah, check out Ant Man and the Wasp Quantum Media if you have not already and our uh podcast of that uh ready for you whenever you are.
0: Uh, Now, Pete, what is this raffle that you mentioned uh, about? Because though the studios might not give stuff away for free, we will.
1: Yes. So we have a Black Panther Wakanda Forever digital download code for one lucky winner. To get yourself in that potential position, you're going to leave a review to either this podcast feed, the Marvel movie podcast feed, or the Secret Invasion podcast feed, and we will be announcing the winner uh, on the podcast, the very first podcast of Secret Invasion episodes that is scheduled, because, again, that's a malleable situation if the studios hunker down and say, "Ah, oh, all the things we have, we're going to really keep in the war chest and back the dates up. But is scheduled uh, to begin streaming um, in June on the uh, 21st. Uh, and our podcast would be Saturday, uh,
0: June 24th. That's when we an- would announce our winner. And if you do leave a review, just uh, do kindly reach out, maybe via email, fantasticgeekgmail.com, but however you want to reach out to just say, hey, I left a review, and on Apple Podcasts, my name is such and such, that way we can match the winner with, uh, with their winning name and all of that. When we
1: catch you up on what went down, Matt, Rocket, and Quill are a creep. And a weirdo.
0: Very evocative opening here. Uh, I think that one perhaps could argue that, you know, are were there audience members who maybe were not familiar with the setting or the basic situation as this film opens because they did not watch the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special? Maybe, you know, was that essential viewing for this movie? Maybe not. I mean, maybe you find a sister revelation that you didn't see coming, but beyond that. Um, It was nice to see, it was nice to think back to the holidays and say, I remember the times that we had here um, as we kind of get, I don't know, something that is so quintessentially James Gunn in terms of, you know, camera work and shot choices and acting, or in this case, digital animation um, and music all just giving us a feeling and really putting us there in a just authentic way, despite the fact it's the guy from parks and rec and a bunch of pixels and some music, but it all works together to get you right in your heart.
1: The two things that will be part of the enduring legacy of this trilogy of films and this particular roster of the team will be character and the use of music to help tell story and here to go with the acoustic version of Radiohead's Creep to open us up on a on a downer. Um, you know, it was the close of the second movie, and, you know, Yondu dies, but we had everybody else, and it wouldn't be until uh, Infinity War that they Han soloed Gamora. Uh, And you're like, all right, is she coming back at all? Obviously, Infinity War brings back the different version, the younger uh, version that did not go through the same experiences as the one who was sacrificed by Thanos for the Soul Stone. Um, And the idea here that, you know, Rocket is remaining true to character. He's always been this grumpy not quite fitting in you know uh, uh bristly on the outside but on the inside there's a heart of gold and then you've got peter quill who had in as you mentioned before and i i think those marble specials kind of become you know something you have to watch i mean both for the setup here as you mentioned before what was spoiled and the legends uh, you know, series there about Mantis being his sister, his half-sister uh, through ego, and then the Kevin Bacon thing and how that comes around at the end of the film, but that he's relapsed once again. You know, in the holiday special, it wasn't, oh, hey, he's become a raging alcoholic who drinks himself stupid, and then we've got to carry him off yet again. Because I don't think it would have gone with the tone of that special. (laughs) Um, But clearly, you know, you you get it through Karen Gillian again. And, you know, this is all sold. And so while we didn't end the second act of the three on a downer, they're coming into it that way, courtesy of the most recent appearance all right, you want to throw Thor in there, um, you know, the little that they're in it. I think that was really oversold. Supposedly there was much, much more shot of that, and who knows if we could turn that into something at at some point. But to begin it this way, I, I think, really sets up the film. And the, the thing, too, like being able to buttress so much of the story on rockets flashbacks through the nature of um, what they're doing in the narrative. So to start us off with him unaltered and the hands coming in to to grab the cuddly little raccoon that doesn't understand the terrible things that are about to befall it. um, And then for him to suffer the injury when Adam Warlock attacks and, oh, wait, he's got this mysterious kill switch in his body and now he's unconscious. So we, as the viewer, can go through his flashbacks and relive experience that he's already aware of.
0: Pete, flashback to junior year of high school honors english okay we're reading crime and punishment and the teacher who in retrospect was was maybe good but not great i did get something from that book uh and it was this notion that uh for an author for a creator to to have a character be uh be terrible to the defenseless animal or defenseless animals um, is a way to make it unambiguously clear to the reader to the audience uh, the, the the evilness of a character that sort of thing and James Gunn knows this we have seen we have seen ugly creatures displayed beautifully i'm thinking of the the giant uh star fish creature thing in uh the suicide squad and how it's just kind star-o. of starro indeed thank you um i've only made a name that was more star. Uh, Anyhow, um, you know, again, this notion of of an ugly thing rendered beautiful Um, here, of course, the opposite. I mean, it is baked into our mammalian existence to be sympathetic towards small, helpless mammals. It's why we are kind to the young. It's why when that wolf pup 10,000 years ago uh, was orphaned, why why the cave? folks did not kill it but rather thought it was lucky and then uh or thought it was adorable uh and then you know uh, treated it well and thus dogs and, and and all of that and beasts of burden etc etc so on a certain level i think you know one might say well james gunn is going the the low hanging route to show us the most adorable animals then you know with the implication of real kind of you know, terrible violence as we as we meet the other animals that are there. You know, they're in a post-surgical situation, but it hurts to look at them. You you can sense the, the wrongness of it. And again, you might say James Gunn is going for low-hanging fruit. I would say, again, he's tapping into something primal and something yeah. that is elementally human for us to look at these creatures and to see nature and to see how they've been perverted and to see how they are still beautiful to us despite the perversions that have been visited upon them by perhaps at worst the second most terrible villain in the history of the mcu uh and it's all done in one film not you know across 10 years of cinema with thanos and all of that it's it's again i think it's it's inspired to touch our souls in that way
1: and to do this through a a secular Uh,
0: storytelling
1: device that this started with Rocket and now we're back to him all these years later to learn this tragic backstory that he won't ever talk about. And this is how you get it Um, to the point where he then becomes ready to talk about it and to make potentially the sacrificial play to try to save not just the animal's you know, the humans deemed good enough, but all life on the high evolutionaries ship late in the movie um, had been a long-standing hope of mine that we'd get his girlfriend from the comics, that we'd get Lila the Otter, and here to have Linda Cardellini so lovingly voice her, you know, in a return to the MCU, she, of course, playing, you know, Hawkeye's, uh, wife, both in the films and also on that show um, but tese the walrus floor the rabbit I mean, come on, Matt, do you know who uh voiced floor the rabbit without looking?
0: I have absolutely no idea no
1: well, you've seen her in a um in a guardians movie before so nova prime back in the original of course glenn close's character had a assistant who never spoke and that was michaela hoover that was the voice of Flora the rabbit
0: i thought you were gonna say they got glenn close back and glenn close glenn close one of the very few actors who has publicly said yeah i took that marvel movie and i held my nose as i did it but i just did that for the paycheck Some of the other people just take take the money and don't need to come out and say it out loud. But um, that is that is a nice um, that is a nice backstory there on the actress making her way to this character here. And you know, again, this this quartet of characters. I mean, Rocket is the least um, the least physically maligned of the four, although the scene in which his Head has not only been shaved, but presumably the, the the top of the skull has been taken off and put on back. I mean, I mean, he's made to look um, sickeningly sympathetic, as are all of them. But but again, just spot you know, heartbreaking and spot on character design for for the four of them here.
1: I went in more prepared, based on what I had heard about the atrocities visited on these poor animals and maybe that was the case why I didn't find it as as difficult. I mean, listen, it's it's still horrible to imagine these things done to animals. And again, the unique human aspect here that, you know, the, the statistic is uh, seven and a half simulated human murders per hour of TV. Uh, yet, you know, anything done to an animal, people react far more viscerally. And, of course, we're sympathetic, but we're not sympathetic enough to our own kind. Um, but, you know, to, to use the animals here and and who, you know, just just the wonderful job that they did with the motion capture and, you know all the ages at which we greet Rocket, you know, to see him before any alterations, to see him going through these things. And again, to use that as the way to bring out the villain's jealousy that he's somehow able to solve the problem uh, on his own, not because of something the high evolutionary did for him um and the jealousy that he has of this animal that he's beholden to but did not create
0: if as we did in the last couple of months if we were if we were willing to say about the firing of victoria alonso the former president of physical and post-production visual effects and animation at marvel if we were if we were willing to say all right uh, your independent movie about argentina is important and all but don't forget the day job and oh by the way quantum mania effects had problems with them and last summer she hulk got better than the previews but eh, and so on and so forth if, if we were willing to take the studio's position perhaps uh back in february or through the lens of february's movie quantum mania Um, Pete, this is an excellent post-production job here from top to bottom. Now, if you want to say, oh, there are internal factors that you're not understanding, like workflow and this and that, the other, and it's not as busy in a post post COVID situation than it was six, eight months ago. Sure. I'm willing to say I'm a bit out of my league in terms of understanding all of that. But again, if we were going to, if we were willing to suppose that the studio had a point, or had, you know, had had a point in saying the work is not up to snuff. Therefore, she should be dismissed based on Quantum Mania. Most recently, uh, your head of post production here, Victoria Alonso, for this film, certainly, you know, for nine tenths of it prior to her to her firing, um, it's immaculate. You know, as you mentioned, all the different phases of Rocket, let alone just the the other animals and and all the effects on top of that. It's just remarkable.
1: And when you consider too that the conduit is the writer director, and that we were nearly denied his ability to finish out this trilogy, it was just going to be on the writing end. And you know, you read all these stories uh, leading up to the premiere about the cast rallying to bring him back after he had had the director's chair taken away from him and and what does he go and do in that meantime he books a, a job with dc uh what do you what do you got left what's in the broken toy uh drawer over there okay you you can have uh harley Quinn would be the you know, most serviceable toy you got. And then you've got not Will Smith, Will Smith character from uh, the other movie played by Idris Elba. Uh, you've you've got a giant starfish. You've got a polka dot guy. Uh, you've got a, 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 a second rat catcher. It's their best movie from start to finish, okay? It is a jewel and a gem and just another portent of how he's going to get DC back on track. Um, You know, he's, he's finished writing uh, Superman legacy. They're getting ready to cast. He'll be the director on that. Um, They knew what they had in him. And it is a different movie. If he does not direct this, you are not getting those moments with uh, these digital characters And he's been sharing on social media the the past couple days, you know, the test footage and all that, you know, of them running around and and playing and all of that. You're not going to get the love because this trilogy of films began for him with Rocket Raccoon. It was, How how am I going to do that? It's his story. Uh, even as one of our listeners has, has tweeted in here, and it, it's completely recognizable. And to see that through line from all these now, I mean, the, the moment that breaks my heart late in the movie, but in the best possible way, is when Nebula, right, the one we despise from, from the jump when we first meet her that she realizes Rocket has been resuscitated and, and, you know, becomes emotional. That put the biggest lump in my throat in this experience.
0: Well, this film, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, is a crowning achievement for Marvel, which I, I would argue has been beleaguered. I mean, Thor 4 was a nice time at the movies, but I think a bit of a letdown. I think that Wakanda Forever is the best possible movie that it could be given the sad circumstances and the loss of Chadwick Boseman, but that was never going to be like, that was never going to be your Avengers assemble kind of moment just by nature of, of that film. So that's not really points off, but in terms of the emotional momentum, Thor four, maybe not thrilling Wakanda forever, a different tone quantum mania. I think a, a letdown to some degree, maybe more, maybe less so this has, in my mind, gotten the MCU back on track. It's a great, great, thrilling endorsement for James Gunn as a writer-director. Um, it's, this, this film is a great day for DC films and where it's going to be moving forward. Uh, you mentioned Karen Gillan's performance, which, you, you know again, her arc across these films, uh, the notion that she would become one of the most important characters story-wise for Endgame, I don't think anyone saw coming, um, and on the comedic character, the the idea that there's no angle to
1: her with that when we meet her, that entire I rewatched all the movies. That entire first movie is she is a uh, bad guy sidekick, and to engineer the change, and as you said, the arc all the way across it's not just this trilogy uh particularly the the featured spot in endgame and now to have her you know she is beloved in this role um and not in the way like oh you know i like the wicked witch of the west or whatever you know the the humor the heart uh the the that we've just come to soften our hearts for.
0: And I would add to all that as well. You know, I remember Chris Pratt as comatose boyfriend in uh first season of Everwood. And he eventually wakes up from the coma and he's just kind of like hunk boyfriend, not particularly uh, remarkable in that, you know, parks and rec where for the first season, they're like, he's going to recur occasionally. And then they realize maybe we'll keep him around for the, the second season. Um, you know, and part of that Parks and Rec journey is when it intersects with him stepping away from the show for a little bit to finish Guardians of the Galaxy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I've, you know, I'm peripherally aware of him in things like uh, Moneyball and and uh, is it Zero Dark Thirty, you know, where he's been in dramatic stuff. Um, I know he's got the Amazon show that I didn't particularly like. Um, that's not necessarily a slam against him, but watching dinosaur
1: movies
0: he's he's look he he's perfectly wonderful as a late 30s early 40s mid 40s uh action hero guy in the in the jurassic world movies as well this movie was the first time i said oh my goodness this guy is a dramatic actor he is delivering dramatic performances here sometimes it's goofy sometimes it's all right let's shoot some guns at you know space nazi experimenters um, and sometimes, sometimes need leading man, you know, uh, you know, 10 day old beard, handsome, rugged guy. There's other times where, you know, I know he's on set with uh, Sean Gunn in a, in a tight suit, um, make him pretend that there's an unwell raccoon there. And Pratt is, Pratt is showing, I would argue the next 15 years of his career where you go, did you see the movie where he played the, the guy with, terrible things going on in his life. Like, Hey, that that was a really sad movie. Like I, Pratt's headed places dramatically that I didn't know was possible uh, until this film.
1: That the story becomes the dual let's save rocket mission. And also the, the search for Gamora, which I thought would be its driving narrative, right? Where did they go? Where did she go? How do we bring them back together? Um, and the moment Nebula mentioned she had a contact, I'm like, that's going to be her sister. There's no way it's not. And of course it is. And she's taken up with, uh, Stakar with, uh, Sylvester Stallone's, uh, faction of the ravagers here and seemingly happy. And how do you build in the need to have her be with, our guardians
0: well it's funny because uh my daughter who only recently saw some of those other sylvester stallone movies uh <laughs> while we we're watching this she, she she's watching this Stacar guy and she she taps me on the shoulder and says is that rocky <laughs> yes yes rocky he, that's his first name <laughs> in 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 your consummation of the timeline yes this guy who i guess she did not necessarily remember from the last one but this guy who's in the marvel movies also also uh more recently in her viewing is also rocky from you know 40 or 50 years ago um i'll mention now for fear that i forget it later on the gamora thread um lemonade is delicious because it's sweet but it's lemonade because of the sour that is still, that's left there, even if you don't always taste it. And later on in the movie, I'm saying, all right, well, happy ending here, right? Gamora's going to suddenly go, maybe I will date you or whatever. Then I'm like, there's some weird kind of gender politics there. All, like how's James Gunn going to, going to, going to square that circle. And of course the answer is no, we don't get the happy ending there. I mean, you want to say in another movie, maybe they revisit it. Okay. For this movie and for the entire extent of the guardians of the galaxy, uh, thus far in the MCU, they just don't, they just say, guess what? Love was lost. Mm -hmm. Love is not to be refound. Even if half the universe came back. And even if time travel and time heist and et cetera, and all the gems in the gauntlet that there ever is. No love stops. At love stops before the end of this movie, or which is to say, love love does not get found, you know, again in this movie. You know, there's your lemonade there. That's why it works. It works because we 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 don't get it, and I and think that's that's a really inspired choice.
1: It's best left that way. It would have been too saccharine for it to work out. And listen, their their relationship changes throughout the film. Uh, her relationship with all of the guardians. Uh, as a result of uh, you know what is heard from Groot there does. We become part of the family and can finally understand him. Um, he still says, uh, I am Groot. We understand what he says in that particular moment uh, when he says, I love you guys. Um, but she's a different person. She's not gone through the same sequence of events that affects you. It's it's essentially the the variant without pulling from a different universe that she never needed Peter. That they never bonded on that first adventure and fell in love. And you know, let's let's not uh, you know really fall under the illusion too that that relationship was perfect the second movie shows they're having their difficulties um but they were in love he lost her this is a different version of her and he needed to grow that's why again too at the end when he's able to leave the team because he's done this now and he needs to return home and you know the idea i don't quite i'm glad he's gonna do more i'm glad he's committed to it i'm glad they were able to put that in the film i just i have no idea where he pops up next i would guess it's um you know in the in the big avengers films you know he is a legitimate draw now um i mean matt he had two number one movies here back to back with super mario brothers movie
0: let alone, uh, though, the the third Jurassic World movie was not um, particularly critically well-received. I mean, it did did great box office numbers. Uh, and as the film here turns to Ergosphere as a setting, I want to zero in, Pete, on something that might seem insignificant. Certainly, it's insignificant to the plot, but I think of all the behind-the-scenes that we've seen about all these films and how part of the success of the MCU is um, that at the MCU headquarters, uh, you know, on the Disney lot, in the animation building, it's a lot of the same people. And, and no, this is not me setting up saying, Zing, Thor 4, Zing, Quantumania. This unprecedented run of every single one of these films has opened number one at the box office. Um, a lot of the people behind it, a lot of the people in concept art and things of that sort are, are the same. And if you think of... Every single cloth outfit that every single MCU person has worn, where it's some version of like leather wicking things of that sort, and to get in this scene here in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, in these you know statuesque bodies, you know, we, we all should we all should hope to look as muscular as Batista or as just you know the, the height of masculinity that is Chris Pratt or you know Car- karen Gillen, who's just practically perfect in every way by my book ditto for uh palm et cetera, etc etc and what does james gunn do stick him in ill-fitting dumpy looking um spacesuits here i'm not saying that he did it to fly in the face of the mcu i'm saying that james gunn is so good that he says stop guy who's worked doing concept art and in the animation building, who's been doing it for 15 years for the MCU, stop. We're not doing that. The story says these guys got essentially, you know, painter's overalls for space. They got them on the, they got them on the run. And we're not going to do everybody all wears the same thing because that's dumb. It's cinema, man. Why should they all have matching suits? Make them all different. A, for some jokes. And B, just so after 30 seconds you go, the orange one is the guy I like and so forth. It's just... It's 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 why this movie is a celebration of James Gunn and why this is a great day for Marvel and a great day for DC Films.
1: It pops so well on the screen and it illustrates that third pillar that Gunn brings. This is a guy that once he's written, he creates all the storyboards. He does his own. He draws them, okay, every sequence in the film. And... To incorporate that, you know the the shot of the door opening and them coming out in these, you know super basic yet, you know, just so eye popping spacesuits to go into this organic uh, compound and try to break into the squishiness of it and land on it. And there are hair follicles, and it looks like a giant eye, like, it's not a great sequence in terms of action, but the visuals and the humor
0: really, really cement it It's that James Gunn sense of the 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 ugly for lack of a better word, the ugly made beautiful you know we all have skin right, and if you i I guess if you look close enough or if you look at it under a microscope or whatever, I guess it looks like the surface of the orgosphere we've all played with magnifying glasses or things of that sort and you it's it's unremarkable to look at your own palm you know you don't find inspiration there but james gunn zooms into skin and all of a sudden it's it's the micro and the macro and there's again this weird beauty and they're they're cutting a hole into flesh but nobody's complaining you know there's just all of this that's this great contrast which is which is the the total opposite of cg army fights cg army which oftentimes is an mcu thing
1: and then suddenly it uh is a means of producing several cameos here
0: yeah great to see nathan fillion you know friend of james gunn nathan fillion who was it just voice or was it voice and uh motion capture for one of the prisoners in the first film um honestly great to have him have proper screen time here um, I love the suits, you know, it's kind of this follow through with the organic, the, the, the organic instead of the mechanical and so forth. We also have Jennifer Holland uh, from the Suicide Squad, from Peacemaker, uh, more recently uh, married to James Gunn as well, uh, who's who's uh, got a wonderful small but extended role in the film as well. Now, Pete, let's talk some controversy here. Okay. All these movies, they've gotten by without the F word. And now Marvel Studios gives us the first one. F is for first, right?
1: Or did they? Uh, Iron Man 2, Matt, where Tony Stark is brought before some subcommittee uh, on the hill. I'm pretty sure Gary Shandling
0: gave us the MCU's first F word. Well, all I know is this. It was well used. And I had, I had, certainly for the rest of the film, I was wondering look, we all know, and if you don't know, it is unwritten convention, but convention nonetheless that if a movie otherwise reaches a PG 13, it hasn't done anything to cross into R territory. You can say the F word one time and it's PG 13 and two times and it's R rated. Okay, fine. I would be curious to know if they have many scenes where there's alternate takes with the F word. And it was like in the edit, we're going to find the right spot. Obviously it's not going to appear in more than one scene, but, um, I don't know, Pete in this crazy world, right? There, there are crazier things going on in this world right now than, you know, when, when we go see a star Lord in a PG 13 movie, somebody says that word, um, it 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 slayed in the theater people were cracking up it was i i i think it was you know i have no problem with it i have no notes um again and over
1: I, something like the inability to open a late 70s early 80s car door on a facsimile of earth um essentially stocked like a pond uh with animals that the high evolutionary has you know uh evolutionized up um yeah it it's it's the perfect place it it's the obscure and the absurd simultaneously
0: and you mentioned counter earth you know uh, Pete I'll borrow a refrain from the Mandalorian podcast here because James Gunn is a writer director um it's not immediately obvious to us that the cul-de-sac has a problem with it. The, the, the cul-de-sac is representative of a uh, societal problem. Um, I think as you get into kind of the the mundane nature of their late 70s, early 80s existence, it, it kind of feels a little off because like, it's the future it's all these like beautiful, weird creatures and whatnot. Why aren't they all... Wearing Star Trek suits and you know, beaming everywhere and whatnot.
1: You know the shakedown in the alley
0: that the guardians witness. Like this is your utopia. Yeah, and you know what? It, <laughs> I think you see the first, you see the you see the first shakedown, or you know, you see the shakedown, and you're like, okay. Like I don't. Again, it's not overly written in dialogue. Whoa, did you see that? da, 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 da. You kind of see it, and you go, okay. Well, I've seen that in a million other movies. And then you see the drug dealer. And you go, okay, like, which again has its own, what is it? An octopus head or something like Mm -hmm. that. Like it's, it's got this, this, this ugly beauty to it. Um, And then I I think at a certain point for most audience members, you go, oh, this place is kind of broken, but then all the pieces are there for when it gets laid at the feet of the high evolutionary as like, you got it wrong. That's of course not the conclusion. The conclusion is no, he just got it wrong again. We're just gonna wipe this place again, um, so so I, I, again, even if even if as you're watching it, you're saying, oh, there, look, it's the building blocks that this world is not a paradise. Yeah, that's not the conclusion. The conclusion is paradise keeps getting wiped out and wiped out when it's not considered to be the right kind of perfect. Which Pete, can I insert that perhaps, perhaps, in this film written after the James Gun firing because he was the wrong kind of person and all of that on multiple levels, on social media, in the view of certain conservative folks, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Is James Gunn Rocket, is the high evolutionary, the keyboard warriors made manifest who came after him? What did he never do
1: so that they could be found? He never wiped out those, they're awful tweets. But you know what you can do? You can go and find them. Because he's not a guy who believes you wipe out your mistakes that you have to take the bad with the good, um, you know, 2008, 2009, nascent Twitter, awful jokes, and you know, in a tit for tat situation. Oh, they, the the lefties got one of our people. We're gonna go take out one of theirs, and and thinking that this is the way to go and the best possible result, them realizing well, they made a mistake and it got James Gunn more work. Um, and it's led to this uh, deal with DC where him and Peter Safran are, are now leading it and have uh, complete autonomy and a vision and are gonna do great things.
0: Within the story uh just the this notion of it not being rocket's time yet I have to confess, Pete, maybe I'm misremembering a trailer for this film, or maybe it had uh you know incomplete fo- and maybe incomplete footage was put in the trailer or a cut scene or test footage or whatever um I had this memory of i had this memory from the trailer of within the cage space within the real world space um of rocket and lila hugging while there's an explosion overhead and as we were in the the great beyond um as rocket is talking to lila um i realized that we were heading towards the physicality of that scene but of course we're not in the cage space where you know we're, we're in the great beyond and so forth the netherworld and all of that and I found myself I mean it's obviously such a touching scene so beautiful again so well rendered so just Mm -hmm. perfect in, in every way I found myself particularly touched because what I thought was going to happen when these two characters were in a certain proximity based on the trailer again maybe I misremembered maybe it's false footage that was in there maybe maybe it's from another scene entirely but. The, the trailer didn't ruin this one. And I mean, it's just such a such a special scene. Complex in its
1: simplicity. And, you know, uh, Teefs and floor visible there on the horizon. But don't go to the light just yet. It, it's not your time. It's the ultimate love in that we want you, but just not yet. You have things to do. Um, and and leading to his mission here, like he tells Quill, Pete, I'm done running. and And now it's a rescue. It's a rescue of not just the higher life forms, but all the life forms. And then ultimately to embrace identity, to go back and find those raccoons and what's the thing? He's been saying for all these movies, I'm not a raccoon. And then the joke becomes all the other things they call him. He's a hamster. He's a gerbil. He's a trash panda. Y- your triangle face dog, all these great lines. And then to finally embrace himself, he
0: is rocket raccoon. And add to that the notion that um, when, when the high evolutionary is finally defeated, um, it made me think Pete of, uh, when Newsweek had its review of, um, Inglorious Bastards, it kind of said, you know, this is a movie that's got really terrible violence and terrible violence put forth against people, but because they're Nazis, we actually kind of don't mind. I mean, similarly here, you know, in, in the scene a bit earlier where Groot has smuggled in the, um, um, the uh all the weapons and we get you know just full-on space nazi scientists are getting gunned down by our heroes and we are all cheering and it feels really really good um that's an okay scene to own emotionally as an audience member however here to show the restraint to not have rocket you know hold a gun to the high evolutionary's head and blow out his brains to 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 let him to let him live um again it's story restraint it's kindness in line with the character perhaps pete it's kindness in line with james gunn um and how he exists in the world i'll I'll, I'll just put forth as conjecture um but it works on all these levels
1: these other people are scarred and it's the reason they are why they are um the way they are and to reveal You know, people were looking at the footage are like, why is his face stretchy here and it's normal here? Well, you're you're talking about a two-tiered time frame in the story. And you're also talking about post-traumatic event for him after he's murdered those other animals and Rocket has ripped off his face. Um, And, you know, that is the bond... Between the two characters, and like you said, for Rocket to relent, to grow, to move forward. Now, does the high evolutionary escape? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> the The point is that Rocket doesn't sully himself by taking his life in vengeance, and the story becomes more about well, we're gonna save the innocents. Um, you know. Not sidelined, but not on the A story are Gunn's brother playing Craglin and Cosmo uh, the dog, who get to come in here with the B team, uh, you know, nowhere now as a, a vessel, as a, you know, lifeboat, uh, as a battleship, uh, to be able to uh, save them, um, these just two Titanic space vessels here, the the one crumbling and the other receiving everybody from it, and the the fake outs here done, I think appropriate, and I stand behind his decision to not kill everybody off. I was completely prepared for him to kill Rocket or Drax. Like when in, this is going to happen. Bautista's been so vocal uh, that he wants it to end, and you know Gun. Will give him the big heroic death. Nope, it's better left this way. But they fake you out in that regard. They fake you out with um, with Chris Pratt when he goes back for the the zune, and it's a great moment to have Adam Warlock, you know, undergo the change um, with what he's been through. You know, the the character they kill in the film is is the one objectively we'd want to see die.
0: Yeah. And I kind of marvel that Adam Warlock as a character gets the arc that he does in a threequel that has to pay service to the characters that we love the most that have been in all three films um, that needs to establish a villain. I mean, I feel like, again, I feel like James Gunn has cracked the MCU code that befuddled, for that um befuddled quantum mania that with all due respect to the most poignant parts of wakanda forever i think that the kind of the way that that film shoehorns in riri williams a bit for my tastes because we have to set up the disney plus spinoff ironheart coming at, at some point to disney plus and all of that you know james gunn nails all of it here and we walk away with this complete arc for for adam warlock I must confess, Pete, I don't know if in the comics he's got the character of the mother and, and you know, the way they used her from the second one to this that gives this turning point for the character. But again, it's, it's a really effective use of story in terms of we get it. We, we get the the man with a thousand faces mo- moment of now the boy must be a man for he has lost his, his only parent um, and all of that. And it, it sets up the arc that takes us to the end of the film where he is a hero and he is indeed one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. To tie it all back
1: to the high evolutionary that he created the Sovereign that he made Aisha to open up the birthing pod uh, too soon that he did not develop that he has the mind of a child the same as he did in the comics before wielding the Infinity Gauntlet and okay, I get it. They did not include him in that saga as he's such a large part in the comics. Um, you also don't know their plans for him going forward and that you get Will Powder here. He's a supporting player that he's now a member of the team. And listen, the jury's out on whether the guardians of the galaxy proper are going to get their own film moving forward. Um, they're going to return in some way, shape, or form.
0: If only in Avengers-type stuff, absolutely. Um, But as we tie off this film, um, you know, I think it's a fitting kind of parting of ways here. Quill's going to return to Earth. Uh, Gamora returns to her Ravagers, you know, as we discussed. I I think that's a bittersweet choice, but the right one. Um, Mantis leaving as well. We haven't spoken much about, you know, we what Bautista does with Drax in this film, or, or or with what he's given. I'm not quite sure what the the proper order is, but um, I know we've spoken before. I think Bautista has a higher. Um, has has, has, sees more value in his acting potential than I do. And that is a okay. It's his career. You don't need to be stuck playing tracks until you're 70. Um, Even if they do give you novel things in this film, like shirts and sleeves. So it's less (laughs) makeup time and all of that. Um, But kind of the, the, I don't know, the poignant humor with which he is uh, calming the, 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 the trapped children uh, on the High evolutionary ship and whatnot. It's just, it's another layer to Batista, and, and maybe he's had better stuff because he's worked with fantastic directors outside of the MCU. Um, but, you know, it's like, oh, there, Batista's got a, got a skill set here that you don't see when he's in this or when he's over the top, as wonderful as he is in uh, Glass Onion and things of that sort.
1: Well, through the relationship he's developed with mantis from the first time we see her he's the one that's so often paired with her and how that has turned early on it's him making jokes at her expense oh she doesn't realize this and now it's flipped that he is stupid but he loves us um and it's completely acceptable that and that he speaks the language of these uh, alien children that he's able to talk to them. Well, weren't you going to tell us? You never asked. <laughs> That's why I never told you. It's it's great. And to leave him as instead, you know, uh, the destroyer as the dad. Um, you know, from the moment we meet him, that the character has lost his wife lost his child and that's so ingrained in the character before it became nothing but joke after joke after joke at his expense and that he really has been a lovely character from the perspective of he gives the others what they need.
0: We have uh, also Nebula on her own. Uh, path here, Nebula as mom, obviously bounced there by uh, by Drax the dad. Uh, I, I see what you did there, James Gunn, giving us uh, giving us mother and father.
1: That they're gonna mine the shop at at nowhere. I'm really hopeful he can convince them. They can convince them both to return. Um, I really want to see Nebula again. Just just the you know journey that her character is. Has gone on, how funny and how poignant she's become, um, and I, I think is important for Rocket moving forward. You know, even if it's just the space hollow call, and oh my God, what has Kang done? He's done this, and oh geez, we'll meet you here. Insert joke. Insert joke. Like that should all be a part of that larger tapestry we know we're going to get with those two massive Avenger films.
0: The, the this film ends, but of course it is not over. We have uh, the first mid credit scene, the, um, the, the reveal here, first and foremost of the new team led by rocket uh, Groot, Kraglin, Cosmo, Adam Warlock, uh, blurb and phyla. But Pete, I'd like to focus on something else. The threat that's headed towards the village it is am I correct in saying that it is like the stampede of the the, the, the space cattle? Yes so so again, I'm not sure how I should feel that and, and maybe this is James Gunn's intent like let's let's leave with more lemonade. It's got some sour, it's got some sweet. you figure it out. This notion that rocket is leading the way for them to stop these animals from doing their animal thing um, in order to save the people. I mean, I'm okay with that as kind of the, the moral calculus, but rocket leading the way to destroy the creatures that are coming to destroy the higher life forms and all of that. Can you walk me through that? Or is that just, is that just ugly beauty right there?
1: I think it's left ambiguous as to what they'll do with them. I mean, that a passage of time is noted through one, Fyla's ability now to speak English and that Groot is the size of a house, much bigger than we had seen him when we originally met the earlier version of him. Um, so to have that, they've been doing their thing now. This is the current team. Okay, they're they're going to save who needs saving um and maybe the monsters like we had at the beginning of the second movie with the sovereign uh the abelisque that uh mantis goes off with three of them again that you know no character is without worth is beyond redemption that uh wouldn't need to be uh
0: saved or diverted in some way as the credits continue we get some stills uh there was a uh a still image of the uh the stan lee character from the first one and across my mind you know it's not a stan lee cameo don't get me wrong but oh it's a Lee this...
1: cameo, though <laughs> well
0: i i wondered is this the last time that we will see stan lee in an mcu film um just whatever that looks like, uh we get the uh the still of Kevin Bacon from the holiday special. Pete, we even get some uh stills from Thor Eleven Thunder, which again i'm I'm not trying to be glib here. It kind of was like, oh, Stanley, I remember his cameo on this. Oh, Kevin Bacon, that was so fun over Christmas. Oh, the Thor, oh yeah, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is in Thor four. Uh, from the vantage point of this film, it feels like it wasn't our Guardians of the Galaxy who were in that film. Um and again, maybe that's just a well, not even maybe. That's and more a criticism of that film.
1: Films outside of their trilogy as they have in their trilogy, which you you sit back and think about it, like they've been a massive part of this universe. And okay, the way I've chosen to look at it, they're in Thor Love and Thunder. Um, not to the extent that I think any of us hoped for, but I don't think the story sustains more of them. That Thor went off with him, that there were adventures there, that we get a little bit of a montage, we see the battle, they have the camaraderie and the characterization, and then that ends and he goes back to what he does.
0: Ultimately, uh, by the time we get to the end of the end here, uh nice um a nice uh bookend for Star Lord here. I mean, it was only in seeing the actor playing the grandfather where I was like, oh, right, it's that guy who's been around who was in the one scene in the first movie playing the grandfather, like, oh, that's nice they got him again. Um, the notion that there is that, yeah, and obviously this is hammered home in the writing quite quite clearly which is this notion that Star-Lord was existing in this you know state of arrested development from the loss of his mother and when the the Ravagers got him and now it's time to kind of figure out his own humanity and to to be a normal person despite the fact that he's saved the universe saved the galaxy many times over and all of that um it was nice it was kind of a nice way to do the final post-credit scene here Um, And I have to admit, I was not expecting that it would set up in its own little way that the legendary Star-Lord will return.
1: It's an understated scene, you know, talking about this neighbor and the mowing of the lawn. And, oh, hey, you look at the front page of the newspaper there that Kevin Bacon has been back to Earth with an alien abduction story. And, you know, the real stinger is, oh, wow, he's going to come back. That you know there is more story for him to go through, uh that they clearly had plans for him, which I think is great the dossier. a detailed look at our bad guys, Matt. We will begin with the long teased Adam Warlock,
0: yeah first possibly appeared as what a a a pod in the collector's collection was that the first film the second film
1: no he's in the second movie at the very end he's got a scene at the end that they're gonna make uh make a super space baby in the pod
0: i think though in the first film whether it was his pod or not i think there was some you know, in that, in that Thanos's gauntlet in Thor, the first Thor movie, in that kind of sense, like something back there was Adam Warlock, maybe, um, back in the first one, as I recall, it could be wrong on that, but, um, I mean, just, just a great character arc here. Um, I think Will Poulter understands how to not be more, I mean, this is, completely, this is a compliment. He understands how to be not as complex as the more important characters but to still carry this authenticity it helps that he's playing as you said earlier pete essentially a man child so he gets to kind of be hunky and dumb and you know scenes like oh no i'm being uh electromagnetically pushed into the wall like okay that's not that's you know that ain't schindler's list here in terms of going rawr, rawr you know but he he nails the role and the character here again having having an arc that weaves through the larger story but you know saves the day at the end the only one who could save the day who has seen the importance of sacrifice and caring for others and all of this it's just it's a great arc
1: it is um you know for a character that wears Gold face paint and has the hair and, you know, the whole outfit and all that to to have him grow from essentially this threat at the beginning of the film and and coming in and, you know, really attacking our heroes and then just splitting um, and to ultimately become one of them. Uh, something that can only be done in a
0: feature film. We have uh, Elizabeth Debicki playing Aisha back, uh, back in this film. I mean, talk about an arc here. You know, memorable, small but memorable part uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, 2017. Between Volume Two and Volume Three, a bunch of things, including you know, playing Diana Princess of Wales in The Crown, where she is eerily. The- wonderful despite the fact she's much taller than not only Diana but much taller than most people uh, in general um great here I wouldn't have minded a little bit more of a curtain call for her in terms of her death it's kind of like oh no thing coming then explosion like I would I wouldn't have minded a little bit more you know the fact that she dies so her son may have a greater understanding of the world. There's some poetry there. Don't get me wrong. I feel like as a veteran of two of these films, again, a little bit more of a, uh, of a bow there would have been appreciated, but I guess that's not what the story wanted at that point.
1: She was the thing that held him back. She can't exist in the story and have him move forward. She was never going to change. Um, I agree with you a little bit on, all right, can we set up that? I think, they wanted it to feel sudden. I mean, that whole counter earth experience where neighborhoods are just engulfed in flames. And then this endless rise of this headquarters that is in fact a ship, uh, that can reset this, uh, civilization yet again. Um, you know, it, it's the cost that the story demanded there and all of this engineered by the high evolutionary.
0: Yeah. And Chuck Woody, Iwuji, so, so good. And I stand by what I said before that, you know, for as amazing as Josh Brolin is as Thanos, he has all these movies where you slowly lead into it, where he's you you hear of him or he smiles or, or he's appearing only as a hologram and this and that, and the other. And Chuck Woody, Iwoji does all of that or most of that in one film. Um, it's just, it, you know, it's a performance that I think in a lesser actor would be one note because all he does is yell around and run around and yell and, and, you know, ultimately be, be a space Nazi, um, which on the one hand you might say, Oh, what, what a two-dimensional character pete i refer everyone to one of the great real world villains of the 20th century you know you can i think as an actor uh you know iwuji here is just mining all of that negativity the job is to play one of the worst villains um in the mcu and he just nails it and you know i hope this guy has a has a bright bright future ahead of him because, boy, he's talented in this. Can you imagine him having, having a role, and no offense to this role, but having a role that's a bit more well-rounded or nuanced or whatever it might be?
1: Well, bringing him over from
0: Peacemaker,
1: um, James Gunn here, just another uh, positive from the negative of leaving Marvel, albeit for a moment, to do Suicide Squad and then to make the the spinoff TV show and to, to find this performer there and then to give him this, you know, star-making role. Um, yeah, really interested to see where he goes from here. Welcome to Level 7. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, a lot of people thought it. James Gunn has confirmed it. We now speak Groot
0: i i love that as a story conceit because honestly i i i I don't like it the other way around that now groot speaks english or whatever the Mm -hmm. standard is um the notion that we have been let in is just infinitely better perhaps it takes a little explanation or a little bit of detective work if you don't you, you know if you're not directly told but It's just a wonderful, wonderful conceit there. Again, it's James Gunn kind of figuring out the wrong way to do it, or the uh, wrong in quotes, you know, kind of the the reverse way to do it. Um, That's just lovely. As is this notion that he didn't kill anybody off. I mean, to me, I I spent the whole countdown to this film saying, I just don't want to have spoiled who it is who gets killed off. Oh, look, I've clicked on. Uh, you know, YouTube has suggested a video. All right, today I'm gonna analyze the trailer footage to tell you who gets killed all. Oh no, look, here's proof that in this movie and that movie, here's how they're portrayed in trailers and here's how they get killed. Yeah, you know, blah blah blah. That whole thing I had avoided, honestly never considering that with James Gunn clearly clearly leaving the Guardians of the Galaxy, clearly leaving Marvel for you know, for the foreseeable future, if not then some you know it's his sandbox if he wants to say thus i kill off fine in retrospect he's not going to kill off star lord because pratt is probably there saying no i could i could show up in the next two avengers movies um etc etc but you want to get us with a mantis a drax a rocket and so forth you know i don't think that we would have said hey james gunn that was off band you know that was out of bounds but uh again he knew where not to go even though it's kind of counterintuitive
1: We've all suspected it based on the marketing, and then the press. That well, hey, not everybody's coming back. And what's better to go out for a performer than a a juicy death, right? It's it's Leonard Nimoy in Rathacon. I'm I'm done with the ears. Let me bury this character. Oh, we'll kill him twice in one movie. They'll never see that coming. Spoiler there, if you haven't seen the 41-year-old <laughs> Uh But, you know, Matt, what are we seeing between Star Trek, Picard, most recently, and now the decision to not kill off our heroes? Um, and arguably the, the right one with both. Uh, and it, it gives you these great fake-outs, and then everybody can can live and ride off into the sunset. It, it comes for everybody eventually, but do we need to see it? Arguably with these two uh, teams, no.
0: You know, Pete, you referenced earlier how Dave Bautista has said, you know, when this movie is done, I'm done. Um, and I take him at that. Again, particularly, he's been in, he has the ear of so many other talented directors i personally would argue they're not necessarily using him for ultra groundbreaking stuff but you got you got to get the director to cast you in a great movie then you can perform in it it's not the other way around so presumably batista is out i know on the flip side karen gillen has been out there saying i would love to do another i'd love to do another um you think pete of the um the difficulty, the perhaps trauma on some level, you know, in preparation for the first film, and she had to, when she had to shave off that lovely red hair. Now they have a way to do have it. Have you seen
1: it. the the Zoom couples therapy she attended, making this one in full on makeup?
0: <laughs> full on makeup, except where there's some tears in the latex and the hair is poking through and whatnot. Um, yeah, just the notion that look, I don't think she ever like. I don't think she ever actually regretted doing any of these films, but I'm sure that with that lovely head of hair, which of which, you know, she was already, or for which she was already iconic from doctor who, when, you, when she sat down in that chair and that first buzz went by and you go, Oh my goodness, what am I doing for this role? Maybe within that moment, I there was a
1: international star, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it did. Um,
1: and they kept giving to her because of, what she gave and i i really really hope she seems to want to be back i imagine they're going to want her back uh yeah yeah but the question is like will anybody else come back i mean i'd be really broken-hearted if we didn't see rocket and groot again and with what you've done with adam warlock here i, I think we're honor bound to return to that character at some point. Um, again, even if it's, a you know, you, you think of the panoramic way in which that Infinity War movie sets up, you know, your earthbound stuff, somewhere in space, all driving it to meeting together and then suffering the most devastating loss. Um, it's something that's gonna take dozens of characters, and you know that by the time they get to that, possibly even later now, Matt, given the you know labor uh stoppage that uh it's really, really gonna to build to that
0: well, and that's where I think you know though there's no announced star Lord spin off or this and that and the other, look, they've announced the next two Avengers movies, and you're right. They need to navigate the current WGA strike. They need to navigate the potential for a Directors Guild strike for an Actors' Guild strike. There is, indeed, Pete, as we record this week, there still is, um, and I believe it's later this week, there still is the not insignificant matter of Jonathan Majors and uh you know abuse allegations and legalities and all of that that you know, first and foremost is making sure the the victim is okay making sure that he's behaving or whatever that situation resolving it emotionally resolving it legally then i think we can move on to uh you know how that's going to impact or not his role as kang i will point out pete kind of weird that disney chose the week after he jonathan majors goes to court for quantum mania to come out on disney plus just want to throw that out there there's a there could be a worst case scenario where Mumble Mumble, maybe Quantum Mania doesn't come out as soon. But I digress, Pete. When those films get made, you're absolutely right. If nothing else, that's when you could say, here are the guardians that you're getting back. Here's, you know, I mean, if Bradley Cooper and Vin Diesel have been game enough at this point to sit and go, What's your what's your 10 lines of uh 10 lines of dialogue fee? Uh, to get you back for, for this one as well. I'm sure it can all be worked out for something as monumental as as, as the forthcoming Guardians, uh, pardon me, uh, Avengers films. And now, Matt, James Gunn goes off to DC full-time to
1: write, direct Superman Legacy, which will have at least one Guardian in it.
0: I mean, I think there's, there's, there's tons of great options here. Um, I know kind of the the internet's choice uh, would be Will Poulter as Jimmy Olsen. That's not bad. Um, do you see Dave Bautista as Perry White? That's not bad. Um, I, I really feel like the sky's the limit here. I mean, do you have do you have a Lois Lane in this cast? Possibly. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate um, Palm Clemente or Karen Gillan as Lois Lane. There's lots of potential here. And look, let's not forget, as you said at the beginning of the podcast, Pete, these actors, James Gunn's actors, are so loyal to him. Um, if the fact that they put more on the line than I think we might give credit for, or than we might initially think, to sign that letter for him to come back, back when things were at the worst for him. You know, there's that. Um there's just you know again the different james gunn actors that he's collected along the way and so forth um it, it could be any of these people i mean pratt as superman maybe i'll say no to that one but <laughs> he's you know,
1: been does he have to play everybody <laughs>
0: <laughs> um truly i think the sky's the limit with that
1: i'm so excited for what he's gonna do there. I really, really wanna see his take on Superman. I know that he understands that character, Matt. I know that Superman is not going to just walk into the Daily Planet at the very end of the movie and announce that he is Clark Kent journalist because that's where one begins your career. No, he's going to properly have the character go through the steps and, and help us understand that, you know, the quotes you're reading from him and, and Saffron about, you know, Superman's kindness and just the old fashioned nature of that character, who's not easy to write. This is a character whose weakness are green rocks, um, who is essentially flawless. Um, but if there's anybody I, I trust uh, with Superman in his hands, it's a guy that understood a talking raccoon, a talking tree, and these, you know, as beloved as they are now, really also ran characters in the comics that have become household
0: names. The notion that Superman legacy as well will focus on, you know, focus on Superman uh, understanding and reconciling his, his uh, Kryptonian background, his human background coming to an understanding there as well. You know, if anybody can find, can find in that character, Pete, something that used to be called and maybe was never there, but maybe could be there truth and justice and the american way it's james gunn let's check the wire pete we go to twitter where we ran a poll was this movie one rock meteor and mediocre that got zero percent was it two planets planetary pretty good that also got zero percent was it three suns solar super Uh, 8.7 percent how about four galaxies galactic great 91.3 percent wow couple of replies here first one andre yeager at dr polo 1983 great conclusion for the guardians of the galaxy trilogy i laughed i cried and i cheered you could feel that james gunn really loves these characters and gave them the loving send-off they deserved also this was rocket story since the beginning can't wait to watch it again Uh, And last tweet here, Pete, from Spider-Ham Lincoln, LC 139 I thought it was great in many ways. Funny, heartwarming, with tense action. We got a few fake-outs, but uh, the end was great, and the future of these characters is looking good. We may not see some of them on screen again, but it seems as if the show will go on, quote, I love you guys, close quote.
1: They live on in our heart, right? Which is possibly the the best place to leave them. Uh, I think a couple of them are going to pop up again i'd be on star lord i think we'll be fine with that matt to facebook where jeffrey Allen john cox our old buddy jj nato from the twitter wrote in i loved it thought it was a great ending uh to the trilogy and enjoyed seeing cosmo in action most of all that makes sense uh jeffrey big dog guy
0: uh love it. Love the response there. Um I think capturing the fun, capturing the fun of the film. And Pete, this fun journey brought by those who support us on patreon.com slash fantastic geek, our thanks to them for keeping us listeners supported
1: absolutely all of this made possible by those good people at patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Uh, everybody who contributes gets access to exclusive podcast content, all sorts of levels to choose from, but it takes just a dollar a month to get you in that door. Can't contribute right now. Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating or a review. And again, if you leave one to uh, this podcast feed the marvel movie podcast feed or the secret invasion podcast feed you're going to be entered for the black panther wakanda forever digital download code drawing
0: and pete let's keep this amazing may conversation going star wars star trek mcu indiana jones how can people be in touch with you on a prominent social media platform? <laughs> you find me on Twitter at Peter,
1: P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K L R K E T E L 12,873. Followers can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter <laughs> looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, like it today. As mentioned, Pete, we got some Indiana Jones in the near future. going to be checking in with some other properties in the short term as well. So with that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word.
1: I love you guys.